Hey everybody, this is Jamie Nunley, lead pastor of Victory Fellowship Church. Thanks for listening to the VFC Sermon Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download our free VFC Thomasville app, where you can access all of our messages, sermon notes, announcements, and small group lessons. This app is the easiest way to keep up with everything going on here at VFC. So please enjoy the following sermon. We hope it encourages you in your walk with Jesus and helps you to belong, believe, and become. Enjoy. See everybody. We doing okay? Awesome. Awesome. Excited to be here. Um, if you didn't know, the pastors were out this last week. We all went to a conference. It was fantastic. Thank you for those uh, that prayed for us while we were out. Uh, the Lord refreshed us, and we also learned some good stuff so we can better serve you guys. Um, I want to let you know something cool going on this coming Wednesday. If you guys don't know, we actually have planted two churches in the country of Pakistan. And we have 51 house churches active in there as well. Isn't that cool? At this point, um, there are around 700 to 800 people that attend VFC Pakistan. Uh, There are more people that attend VFC Pakistan than attend VFC Thomasville. Uh, And so that's cool. It it may be that we're actually the satellite campus, not them. Uh, and so I get a chance to remotely through Zoom uh, preach the gospel to tens of thousands of people this Wednesday. Um, and so please be praying for that. There is a financial need. If that's something that's important to you, we bus uh, people in so that they can hear the gospel. It costs about a, it, it works out, it's about a dollar uh, per salvation. That's what it works out to. You ask yourself, how many people would you like to see saved? Uh, If you want to give to that, just give through our app and and designate that it's for Pakistan. Um, But I'll be preaching Wednesday, so Wednesday around 10 or so, Wednesday morning. Uh, And so um, it'll be nighttime over there. So if you think about it, pray. Pray that God um, would would move on their hearts. Uh, This is unreached people. They've never heard the gospel of Jesus. Uh, And so we usually see them come to the Lord in droves because Jesus is an amazing king. So I'd love for you uh, to be praying uh, and be a part of that. We're continuing our series called Fruit of the Spirit. You guys know last month we talked about the gifts of the Spirit. By the way, uh, the announcement said that bacon was not a fruit of the Spirit. I think it might be a gift of the Spirit, though. Um, And so uh, we talked about the gifts of the Spirit. Now we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. We kicked this off last week. I encourage you, if you did not hear the message last week, please, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify or Apple uh, Podcasts or where, it's going to be there. Our sermons are there. You can also find it on our app, our website, or we have CDs in the foyer. It's really the foundation for everything else we're doing as we continue this series. So I'd love for you to get that. But we defined Fruit of the Spirit this way. The Fruit of the Spirit are, are the various positive character traits displayed in the life of a believer that are the result of an ongoing, healthy relationship with God. We talked about the fact that it's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's one fruit, nine flavors, right? And so you don't get to opt out and say, well, God gives me this fruit, but not that fruit. No, he's trying to grow all the fruit in you, okay? They're just different flavors, not different fruits. Guys, spiritual fruit isn't something you do, it's something you allow God to do. 
Uh, you aren't planting a garden and trying to grow the fruit of the Spirit in it. You are the garden, and God is trying to grow his fruit in you. We work out our salvation. We don't work at our salvation. Jesus has done all the work. But we work out our salvation through fear and trembling is what Philippians says. Uh, What does that mean? That means we carefully, through practice, through time, we get what God put on the inside, on the outside. We work it out. And the key to all of this, the key to bearing fruit, the key is staying connected to the source. That's Jesus. And pruning, embracing the pruning, that sometimes stings a little bit, but it leads to more growth. I want to look again at the scripture that lists the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to look at this together here. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Against such things there is no law. In other words, no one's going to stop you from doing this. This is good stuff. No one's going to get tired of you doing this. You know, there's just too much self-control in that guy's life. Like, we don't think that. There's no law against these things. These are good things. Now, this morning, we are talking about the fact that you can act like Jesus. And we're going to be looking at these three fruits or flavors specifically. It's love, joy, and peace. Love, joy, and peace. Did you guys know that you can act like Jesus? You can. Now, just in case you're confused, you're not Jesus. You're not God. He's God. We're not. Okay? Just want to make sure everyone knows that. Okay? But you can. You are actually called to act like Jesus. But it's, it, it's, it's very important that we understand how this happens. Your goal is not to grow in your own love, joy, and peace until you act like Jesus. Your goal is to grow in his love, joy, and peace until you act like Jesus. See, Christian maturity is not a matter of self-help, but self-death. A lot of times when you know, listen to preachers, listen to pastors, and the idea is like, hey, we're going to use the scripture to help you get better. That's actually not a scriptural idea. Jesus isn't trying to make your life better. He is wanting to be your whole life. And the way that we get better, (laughs) the way that we grow, is not through self-help. It's through self-death. As we die to ourselves, he can now live in us and move through us. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ." Who lives in me. See, it's not self-improvement. It's, this is not a word, self-removement. You like that? You like that? We'll quote that one. You see, you see, that was not in my notes. That's what happens when I don't stick to my notes. But do you get the point? Like, it's, it's not, it's, it's not you being better. It's you being less and him being more. Right? You see how that works? So, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. Do you all know that crucifixion kills you? Crucifixion kills you. 
I have been crucified with Christ. That's the first step of spiritual growth. Crucifixion, death. Don't try to correct what God is trying to kill. Don't try to civilize what God is trying to crucify. Don't try to just tame yourself a little bit to you. I'm okay now. I'm a good Christian. No, guys, there was no hope without Jesus. He said, we, re- we looked at this um, last, last week, without me, without God, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So we need to understand, you can act like Jesus, but this comes through your own crucifixion. So let's look at the fruit. Let's look at these, the fruit that, that helps us act like Jesus. We're going to go through the three of these this morning. Here's the first one, love, love. Love. We say we love a lot of things, don't we? Man, I love God. Man, I love French fries. <laughs> Man, I love the beach. Man, I love my spouse. I, I, I love a good turkey sandwich. I love my kids. Right? We use the word love for everything. It doesn't mean anything anymore in our culture. Uh, but let me define love for you. It's up here on the screen. Love is affection expressed through action. And love does what's best for the other person. Love is affection. Always, it's not just affection. Affection is just affection. But love is affection expressed through action. You have to do something in order to love someone. Keeping it to yourself is not love. Right? Love is affection expressed through action. And love does what's best, not for you, but for the other person. This is what love is. So when we say we love French fries, what we mean is we really, really like French fries. But we don't love them. I'm not going to lay my life down for French fries, right? Don't do that. Don't do it. The word in the Greek is agape. Agape. Agape love, you may have heard of. And agape is service or sacrifice. Jesus defines agape in John chapter 15, verse 13. He says, there's no greater love, agape, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Sacrifice, service. That's what love is. It's willingly laying down your own desires. Guys, love is not easy. It is not comfortable. It is not pretty. Love holds you to the higher standard not the other person. People will not always like what you do when you walk in love. Love does what's best for the other person, and some people don't want what's best for them. They want to stay stuck, right? We come sometimes call this tough love. I like to say sometimes love is a hug, sometimes love is a push. You know, if you saw a video of me pushing a young child as hard as I possibly could, you'd think, wow, Jamie, you're a jerk. But then if you realize that kid was standing in traffic and was about to get hit by a car, you think, wow, Jamie, that's love. See, love does what's best for the other person, and sometimes that's a really hard push. Oftentimes, it's a deep embrace. Who knows the difference? The Lord knows the difference. You need to get near to him. Because he will show us how to love others best. 
Paul defines agape as well. Even he kind of fleshes this out in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. We read this a lot, or you'll hear this a lot at weddings sometimes. Love is patient. Well, whoops. (laughs) Oh, well. (laughs) Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. I don't know about you guys, but I read that and I'm like, oh no. Oh no, I'm called to love? This list doesn't describe me very well. At least not all the time. I mean, think about this. Love is patient. Are you patient? Love is kind. Love does not envy. Have you ever wondered what someone else has? Love does not boast. you ever bragged on yourself? Love is not arrogant. You ever thought that you were the only one that was right? If, if, if not, if you, anyway, I'm not going to go there. Rude, you ever been rude to someone? <laughs> yes! We've got an honest person. Maybe a, maybe a little too enthusiastic, but okay. Love does not insist on its own way. You ever insisted on, no, we're going to do this my way. You ever done that? It's not love. It's not agape. Love is not irritable. <laughs> I'm not even going to ask. Love is, love is not resentful. Resentful, resentful is when you are holding on to past hurt and you're still blaming that person, sometimes for something they don't even know you're mad about. Ever done that? I have. But that's not love. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things. It, it bears up. It, it, it's, it's, it endures. It believes all things. It means it believes the best. It believes the best. Man, we're so bad at this. We don't believe the best about people. As soon as we hear something negative about someone, we're like, oh, really? Okay, that's our truth. What if it's not true? Love doesn't believe that unless there's really, really good evidence. Hopes all things. Hopes for the best. Endures all things. Love never fails. Guys, we can't love like this by ourselves. But God can. We don't have this kind of agape by ourselves. You can only give what you've got, and God is how you get agape. Amen. He is our source. Whenever you're walking in love, you're acting like Jesus. This fruit of the Spirit helps you act like Jesus. Why? Because God is love. And when you lay your life down for someone, when you sacrifice for someone, when you serve for someone, serve someone, not even someone that you like, but someone that you don't particularly like, you're acting like Jesus. Christ died while we were still sinners. He didn't wait until we had it all together. Okay, now I'll die for you. No, he did it before we even knew who he was. This is love. This is something we can't do by ourselves. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It is a result of spending time with the one who is love. The next fruit 
that we want to talk about is joy. Joy. What is joy? Well, joy is a sense of internal gladness that is unaffected by external circumstances. Joy is a sense of internal gladness that's unaffected by external circumstances. See, that's the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is a reaction to an outside event. Joy is a response to an inside satisfaction. Happiness waits for something to happen out here, and when it's good, hey, I'm happy. Joy says, you know what? Christ lives in me. I live in Christ. I'm full of joy. And then the world doesn't go how we want it to, and I don't like that, but I still have joy. It didn't get on the inside. Joy comes from the inside out. Happiness is from the outside in. Happiness is, temp- and there's nothing wrong with happiness. You can find happiness temporarily. There are things in this world, man, when I eat a good meal, I am happy. When I watch a, a cool movie, I'm, it makes me happy. I, that's fine. When, when, when I, Tiff and I love to travel, our family loves to travel and go and see and experience and do things. That makes us happy. But joy comes from the Lord. See, all that's external. All of that's outside. Joy is inside. Happiness is temporary. Happiness leaves when the going gets tough. But joy sticks around no matter what. You can think of it this way. Happiness is based on what happens, but you make the choice to rejoice. Happiness is based on what happens, but you're making a choice to be filled with joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Wait a minute. Whose joy? His joy. Your strength is not found in your joy. Didn't say that, did it? Said the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Our strength doesn't come from our joy, but from the joy of the Lord. That means your goal is not to increase your joy, but to acquire his joy. See the difference? I'm not trying to increase my own joy. I'm trying to acquire what he wants to give. His joy. His joy. Now look, you can find happiness temporarily. I like to tell Tiff all the time. You make me happy, but the Lord gives me joy. <laughs> because what if, what, if, what if she has a bad day and says something mean to me? Right? Not that she does that. But, I mean, if she did, then, then if my, happy, my happiness might go away, but my joy remains. See the difference? It's, it's, it's unaffected by external circumstances. Psalm 1611 tells us how to get joy. The psalmist says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Not just a little bit. Not just a a decent amount. In your presence is a decent amount of joy. That's not what it says. In your presence is fullness, completeness, the entirety of joy. Any grasp for joy apart from Jesus is pointless. 
If you're looking to a spouse, if you're looking to children, if you're looking to parents, if you're looking to a job, if you're looking to material things, if you're looking to government and politics, if you're looking for anything outside of your relationship with God, you won't find joy. You can find happiness temporarily, maybe, if you're lucky. But joy comes from the Lord. I like to think of it this way. I actually say this to myself. If I'm disappointed, if I get discouraged because things aren't going the way I want it to, my joy doesn't come from them. My joy comes from him. You can say that. You can pray. My joy didn't come from, as a matter of fact, say this with me. My joy didn't come from them. My joy comes from him. It's not everyone else. It's not what they're doing on TV. It's not who's in the White House. It's none of that. That's not where my joy is found. It's found in him and in him alone. He's the only one that can give me lasting joy. Whenever you're walking in this fruit, joy, you're acting like Jesus. Jesus was one of the most joy-filled people that ever walked the planet. You know, there's a scripture in Hebrews that actually says that he went to the cross for the joy set before him. Wait a minute. He was joyfully crucified. Now that's joy. <laughs> I just don't think I'd be filled with joy if I'm being crucified. I'd be like, Lord, please. God, come on. Right? This hurts, God. I get it. I'm saving the whole world. Blah, 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 blah. Please, now? But it was for the joy set before him. That he endured the cross. When you're walking in joy, you're acting like Jesus. Because he was joy. The last fruit is peace. Peace. Peace is the state of inner serenity or tranquility that's unaffected by external circumstances. If joy is inner gladness, unaffected by circumstances, peace is inner serenity that's unaffected by circumstances. Now, people get this wrong all the time. Peace is not the absence of problems. It's the learned skill of remaining unaffected by them. It's not the absence. A lot of people will, if I can just, if this will just change, if this will happen, if they'll pass this bill in the Senate, if my, my spouse will finally do this thing, that I've been asking them to do. If my kids will act right for once. <laughs> it's a pretty big amen. All right, we know prayer point. All right, gotcha. Write that down. If, if then I'll have peace. Guys, we're letting people rob our peace. Amen. You know, no one can take your peace. You, they can only try to convince you to give it to them. Amen. No one can take it. It's yours to give or not to give. It's the state of inner serenity. It, it doesn't come from outside. It comes from inside, just like joy. If the world has to stop in order for you to have peace, you'll never have peace. If you have to get your own way in order to have peace, you'll never have peace. We need to redefine what peace is. It's not everything happening the way that we want it to go. It's an internal security and anchoring in Christ. That gives us peace. 
Jesus says in John 16, 33, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In me you may have peace. Where does peace come from? In me is what Jesus says. In me you will have peace. Well, what about the world? In the world, he continues, you will have tribulation. That word means trials, trouble, right? The stuff we don't like. That's guaranteed. I'd love to tell you guys that you'll never experience anything annoying, upsetting, disappointing. I'd love to tell you that. Follow Jesus in three easy steps and nothing bad will ever happen again. Ha <laughs> ha. Do you see that infomercial like 3 a.m. late at night? That doesn't exist, you guys. I can't tell you that because it's not true. Jesus himself said, in this world, you'll have tribulations. I'm sorry. We are going to a place where there won't be tribulations, okay? We're going to go be with him. But until then, yeah, this is not a safe place. It's not a safe world. And so we have to make sure that our peace is based on our relationship with him. He says, in me that you may have peace, in the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You can have peace in Jesus. Life is uncertain, but God's peace is unceasing. You can have peace. Jesus says this as well, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled or let it be fearful. I love the way the New Living Translation puts it, where it says, not as the world gives do I give you. It says, the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. And that's so good. The peace that Jesus gives, guys, you can't get anywhere else. You can't get it. There's no way to acquire this type of peace apart from an intimate, growing, vibrant relationship with Jesus. That's the only source of peace. That means where you look for peace determines whether you find peace. Where you look for it will determine where you find it. The way to get more peace is to pursue the prince of peace. He, he is peace. He is peace. And notice he says, my peace I leave with you. Who did Jesus say that he was going to leave with us after he left? The, the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit moving through the church. And so he has he is, he is given us everything that we need to live a life of peace. And we have to pursue it. Colossians 3.15, one of my favorite verses. Tiffany and I live by this verse. It says, seek peace and pursue it. Seek peace and pursue it. Let peace be the umpire in your life. You know what an umpire does, right? Umpire calls the shots. Safe, out, strike, ball. Let peace determine your next step. And Tiffany and I, whenever we're faced with a decision... We stop, we pause, we draw near to God, and Scripture says he draws near to us, and then we follow peace. 
Because it comes from him. It doesn't come from the world. And we let that peace make our decisions for us. Whenever you're walking in peace, whenever you're letting this fruit of the Spirit blossom and bloom in your life, you're acting like Jesus. Jesus walked in peace. You can, you can, every page of the Gospels, you can just flip page, 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 and you see him walking in peace. It was a crazy world at that time. It was a crazy political and governmental situation at that time. Far worse than anything we've ever seen. It was, it was a, 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 a the, the religious network and establishment was just, I mean, it was awful. It was very tough. People did not have their needs met, their basic needs of food, water, and shelter. It was, it, it was, it was very normal for, for, for people to be transient and, uh, and precariously housed. And it, it was, this is the world that Jesus came into, yet he operated in perfect peace. Because he's the prince of peace. You need that. I need that. But there's only one place to get that. It's to allow the fruit of the Spirit to grow in our lives. I asked you last week, are you bearing the fruit of the Spirit? I want to ask you that again. But I want to add something to it. Are you bearing the fruit of the Spirit that helps you act like Jesus? Specifically, love, joy, and peace. Sacrifice, laying your life down for someone else. Joy, a sense of gladness no matter what's going on around you. Peace, a a sense of serenity and tranquility no matter what's happening around you. Are you allowing this fruit to grow in your life? You are the garden. God is the gardener tending to you. And he's asking you to partner with him in growing this fruit so that you can act like Jesus. So that you can help those around you. So that you, because here's what we know about the goodness of God. When you give it away, you still got it. When you give away your peace to someone else, you say, hey, here, let me just share with you about the peace of God. You don't lose it. It's not like money, right? You give someone a $10 bill. You don't have that $10 bill anymore. But when you give away peace, you give away joy, you give away love, you still have it. Isn't that awesome? It's a different kind of resource. It's a kingdom resource. What about you? Are you letting the Lord grow this fruit in your life? Let's stand for prayer. Next week, we're going to continue the series. We're going to learn how the fruit of the Spirit helps us treat people right. We're going to go over those fruits that allow us to treat people right. I encourage you to be here. Make time for that. But if you will, close your eyes. Do some self-reflection. Some self-assessment. Let me just kind of walk you through this moment. It's between you and the Lord, but I'm here coaching, okay? Ask the Holy Spirit this question. Am I walking in love? Love is not a feeling. Love is not an emotion. It's service. It's sacrifice. Am I serving others? Am I sacrificing for the sake of others?
Am I laying my life down for others? What does the Holy Spirit say to you? What's that thought you think in response to that question? All right. What about joy? Holy Spirit, am I walking in joy? Is my joy easily stolen? Have I confused happiness with joy? Do I cultivate a heart of gladness despite my circumstances? Or are my circumstances getting the best of me? What's he saying to you? Ask him about peace. Holy Spirit, am I bearing the fruit of peace in my life? Is there a sense of calm, serenity, and tranquility internally, even though my outside may be going crazy, my inside is anchored? Where are you? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. Begin to show us areas of improvement. You know, you may see yourself in your imagination right now just doing things. The Lord's not here to condemn you. He's he's here to convict you lovingly so that you'll change because it's what's best for you. I want to lead you in a prayer where we allow the Lord to grow this kind of fruit in our lives. If you will, pray this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm the garden and you get to plant your fruit. I give you permission to grow love in my life, to grow joy in my life, and to grow peace in my life. These aren't the things that I can grow myself. They can only be grown by you in me. So I give you permission. You get to do what you want to in my life and to the best of my ability I'm going to let you have your way in me in Jesus name Amen Amen Tiff will you close us Hey once again thanks for listening to the VFC podcast if you live in the Thomasville area we would love for you to connect with us in person for more information about our weekly gatherings including service times and directions, just visit us at vfcthomasville.org.